Easton in the month of December, we've been talking about the concept of being Christmas, of taking what Jesus does and going out in the world to represent him. And when we go out into the world, when we be hope to the world, when we are being peace to the world, when we're being joy in every situation, the world sees Jesus. Because those are the things that he brought. That's the atmosphere that he carries. And when we do those things, we represent him into the world. And so when hope and peace and joy flow in our lives, people actually see Jesus. And uh, this week, uh, we've been talking about being Christmas because in 1 John, it says, as he is in this world, so are we. And that's part of who we are. We are called not just to be talking about him, but to be a witness for him, to be representing him to the world, to be the body of Jesus in this world. And today on this last week of Advent, Christmas Sunday, we're going to talk about being love. And I, I will tell you that if we are doing this one right, come on, if we are being love the way that he is love in the world, it makes being peace, being hope, and being joy flow a lot more effortlessly in our lives. That is what we are about. Love is the root of everything we do. It's the root of who he is. I saw a tweet from Bob Goff this week. He said, the way we love each other lets everybody know that the baby in the manger is more than just a decoration. Man, I think that is profound if we stop and think about it. The way that we love each other tells the world this is real. We're not just celebrating some baby that was born 2,000 years ago, something that happened on an obscure hill in Israel. We are celebrating the birth of the King of Kings who came to this world to change eternity, and he still appears in our lives today. And so if we are being loved, that's what it really boils down to. In John 13, 34, Jesus was about to be betrayed. He was about to go to the cross. It was a dark time. He was telling his disciples he was about to go away. And this is part of the conversation he had with them. Because they, they had been talking up till this point about, do we keep the law? How Jesus came to fulfill the law? Are we doing this thing correctly? And this is what Jesus said in John 13, 34. A new command I give you, love one another. Come on, how complicated do we make it? And Jesus turned to his disciples and said, this is the command I'm giving you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Jesus boiled everything about following him down to this command. Love each other. That's what he was after. Jesus said, this is how people in the world would know that we're his disciples. You, you, want, you want some criteria. It's not whether you're wearing a Christian t-shirt, whether you've got the right sticker on your car, whether you carry the five-pound Bible into the restaurant with you and plop it on the table. He said the evidence, the proof that we are his followers would be how we're interacting with each other. Is there love flowing in our relationships? How are we treating the people next to us that we interact with every day? If love is being seen in our relationships, he says, that's how people will know you're my disciples. He said, at one point in time, he was talking with the disciples, and he says, all of the law and the prophets hang on this, if you love God and you love people. And when Jesus taught that, it, he wasn't giving us an either-or choice. Okay, He wasn't saying, you can do one or the other, you can love God, but don't worry about those people. He was teaching it in such a way that it was like two sides of the same coin. They were connected. He was saying, in order to love God, you have to love people. Don't we wish sometimes there was an easier way? <laughs> where, where do most of the problems in our lives come from? Oh... <laughs> 
And we all had somebody that we were just picturing right in that moment. Life, life really would be a lot smoother if there was nobody else around. But that's not the way God intended it. There is, there is something profound about being together in relationship. There is a wholeness and a fullness we see of the human condition when we are all together as one. And when Jesus was saying, love God and love people, he was saying, in order to love God, you have to love people. There is no way around that. That is how we show the world that we love God, is by loving people. Even in the first century, they were arguing about what laws should we keep. If you read through the epistles, there was a whole bunch of arguments. Paul said, who, who bewitched you Galatians? You started out in grace, and you're going back to put yourself under the law. They were arguing about all these things. Do we keep just those ten? I don't know about you, but those ten, like, <laughs> you can't do it. And they were arguing about, is it just those 10? Is it the 690 laws that we came up with to help us not to break those 10? Is it the moral law? Is it the dietary law? Is it the ceremony? They were arguing about all these things, and Jesus boiled it down to this. I'm giving you a new command. All of that other stuff is summed up in this. Love one another. That is the only law for following Jesus. As a New Testament, New Covenant believer, that is the law of the kingdom. Love each other. And if you do that well, you won't be violating or arguing about any of those other things. Paul reinforced it in his writings this way in Romans chapter 13. He said in verse 8, don't owe anything to anyone except your outstanding debt to continually love one another. Ah. Uh, don't owe the credit card guys because you went nuts at Christmas time. How many of you took that warning to heart from a few weeks ago? Or how many of you blew right past that stop sign in our Christmas spending? Ooh, the list was longer than the money. It says don't owe anything to anyone except the continuing debt to love one another. For the one who learns to love has fulfilled every requirement of the law. Watch this. For the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And every other commandment can be summed up in these words, love and value others the same way you love and value yourself. The pinnacle of how mankind was created was to love one another. That's what he's after us doing. Every single human being wants to feel loved. If there, is, if there is somebody sitting next to you and they are breathing, they have a need inside of them to feel loved. It, there, there is nobody that is disqualified from that statement. Every single person who has ever lived, who has ever been created, has a need and a want, a desire inside of them to feel loved. The difficulty I find with a lot of us in church settings is we have to figure out how do we love and value people without necessarily agreeing with everything that they do. How many of you have discovered that can be a difficult proposition sometimes? To communicate to somebody, I love you, and I don't condone all the things you're doing. Is, that, is it only me? I guess I'm, the, I'm preaching, I'll preach to myself over here to this plant. Has anybody else experienced that in life? Because God figured out to do it, because I read through Scripture and it says, even while we were sinners... Christ loved us and died for us. 
And if that was his attitude towards the human race, who, trust me, in all of recorded human history, there's a lot worse that's been done than anybody sitting in this room. Come on. And you might think your list is pretty bad, or the things that, that God saved you from, or the things that you've done in your life. But in all of human history, God so loved the world. Yeah, that's right. In spite of some of the things we've done, in spite of running from him and throwing it in his face and thinking I can run my own life and order things according to the way I want them, he still loved us. And he calls us to act that way and to represent that to the people around us. It, it is, I'm not sugarcoating, that it is very difficult to love people who have done things that are offensive to you or ignorant to you or they violate some core belief that you have and you're thinking, how could you do that? And we have to figure out, how do I still love you without saying, that's okay? Because I think God, he loved us while we were still sinners and he loved us enough that he put a whole bunch of stuff in here that he said, if you do these things, it's not the fullest life that you could have. If you do these things, you're shortchanging yourself from the abundant life that I have for you. I'm not going to try to define love in this place today. I mean, the couple weeks for joy and peace and hope, we looked at what the dictionary said and what, what it looked like. How many of you know it is next to impossible to actually define love? I think English words don't do it justice. You can study it out in the scripture. There's all kinds of Hebrew and Greek words. Are we talking about agape love? Are we talking about phileo or eros? How many of you know Jesus actually spoke Aramaic? That was the common language of the day. There's an Aramaic word for love that actually implies being on fire. How's that for a concept of love? But of all these things, it's so hard to put your finger on one thing. But what I want to do today is just describe a couple things that when something or someone is loved... This is what it looks and feels like. When something or someone is loved, they have value and they have worth. Come on, think about that for a second. The things that you love, they have value and worth to you. The things that are loved are honored and cherished. For, for some of you, that, or if you're in this place and you're married, those were probably words that were in your wedding vows. I'm promising to honor and cherish you so long as we both shall live. Why did you say those things? Was it because, oh, this is, this is what they said I had to do to get to go home with her? I said those things because I was in love. I, I loved and honored and valued and cherished Pam more than anybody else in the world, and I promised all those things to her because she is loved by me. That's what it looks like when something is loved. When something or someone is loved, people prioritize it and they enjoy it. When I say prioritize it, you spend your money and your time on it. Come on, I, we could go around this room and we just have to look at checkbooks and calendars and we know what we all love, right? I, I love the Steelers. They are giving me indigestion this year and it's a huge roller coaster. But how do you know that I love the Steelers? Because I carve out time in my schedule and I sit in front of that TV and scream like a lunatic. Amen? <laughs> Won't talk about the people that still, they get their terrible towel out and put it on the TV and hold it there. Why do we, do we come on, this is just silly examples, but the things that we love, we prioritize, we make time for them, we carve them out in our schedule because we want to be there with them. And it's not just things, it's 
All these things I'm talking about, they're most valuable when seen when we talk about them with people. When we love and value and cherish and honor people and we prioritize them and spend our resources on them. Things that are loved are prized and sought after. And every single human being wants to feel that. All those things that I just described, there is a need. You can look at study after study of what happens when people are deprived of love. There are physical things that actually happen. It stunts their growth. Their emotional growth is stunted. All these different things are because people aren't loved well. Every person has that feeling inside of them to want to be valued, to want to have worth, to want to be honored and cherished. And when we know we are loved, it transforms our lives. There is something that happens when you know you're loved. There is a confidence that comes. Come on. How many of us know people that they're struggling so much to be loved and approved by people that they're always wondering, am I doing this well enough? Should I step out and do that? Is this okay? How am I performing right now? And when we know we're loved, all that stuff comes off. The, the need to perform, the need to, to say, hey, how am I doing? The, the confidence comes. How about when you know you're loved, there's a willingness to say yes. The more I know he loves me, the more I'm willing to say yes to whatever God asks me to do. It's, it's that way with Pam. When we got married, because I knew she loved me, I, I did crazy things that you never pictured yourself doing when you were a single person. Right? And if you're not married in this room, wait, you'll find out. That's what happens when you know you're loved. And we have to know that. We have to be confident in that, especially as believers. Why? So we can turn around and give it away to others. We're talking about being loved in this place this morning. And I can't go be loved to anybody else if I haven't experienced it, if it's not solid in my life and I don't know it myself. That's why he put us together. That's part of why he put us together. I know that the most tangible way you will experience God's love is from being around God's people. Yes. Come on, there, there will be times when you're at home praying in your closet and you just know he's there. There's times when you might be worshiping and think, oh, I, just, I know Jesus loves me. There are times for that. But one of the most common and tangible ways that you will know that you are loved by God is by being around his people. Yes. Jesus is not physically present in this room this morning, right? He is present by the power of his spirit. I know he's in this place this morning. He was here when we worshiped. He's here right now, but he's not physically walking in his body. He's not here to hug and embrace you. Stand up with me, Tyler. But the person next to you can do that. Even in in greeting time, if you went to hug him, they were like, what are you doing? Yeah, that's, Jesus is here to give high fives this morning because I didn't want to hug. <laughs> that right there, that's how we tangibly experience his love probably more than any other way in our Christian walk is we are around his body and people that encourage us, people that communicate those things to us to say you are valued. There, there's worth in you. There's honor in you. I, I want to spend time with you. That is part of how love is expressed today is through his people showing it to the world. Love flows to the world through the body of Christ. I've I've not seen yet 
I've seen those billboards on the side of the road that are supposed to be messages from God. You, you guys have seen those, you know, don't make me come down there, sign God. I have not seen, like, the audible voice coming out of the heavens yet to a whole city to say, I love you. But I've seen the body of Christ in action to go embrace the poor and the needy, to clothe the naked, to give food to the hungry. And in that moment, the world is seeing Jesus' love in action. He's seeing, they're seeing him communicate, you're loved, you're valued, you're worth something. We need desperately to know God's love ourselves so that we can give it away and represent him well to the world. I have a couple verses I want to read this morning as we're thinking about what love is. How many of you have ever prayed or confessed or read that scripture about God will do more than we could ask or imagine? Any, any, any good charismatic prophetic people in the room this morning? We love that verse. Why? Because we can think, ask, and imagine a whole lot of stuff. And I'm thinking, God, I want you to do this. And God's promising I'm going to go above and beyond that. Well, I want to read that verse. That's Ephesians 3.20, where we always get that verse. We say, God will do more than we could ask, think, or imagine. He's, he's always a God of excess, going above and beyond our wildest thoughts of how good he is. But I want to read that verse in context this morning and see what was he talking about that he would go above and beyond what we could ask, think, or imagine. So back up a couple verses with me in Ephesians chapter 3, and let's start reading at verse 18. He says, then you will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences. Now watch this. This is what he's talking about right before the ask, think, or imagine verse. You will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is this love. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love poured out beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. Look at those words that Paul is using to describe the love that Jesus has for us. It's astonishing. It's intimate. It's far-reaching. There, there are words that should resonate with us as human beings. That we think about all the, the things and the people that we love. Sometimes we have no problem thinking and envisioning, oh, I, I want to be intimate with that person, or I would go any distance for that person. The, oh, the way I love them is just amazing to me. But these are the things that he describes about God's love for us and how we need to know him. He says it's endless. It's beyond our understanding. It transcends anything we could think about. It's extravagant. We sang that song this morning, The Reckless Love of God. I've I've actually heard people say, oh, God's not reckless with anything because he knows everything from the beginning to the end. Come on. Don't be the letter of the law person. Be the spirit of the law person. (laughs) The concept he's singing about in that moment is God's love is extravagant. It goes beyond the way that we would pour it out ourselves to anybody else man, the things that I've done, there's no reason that he should love me, but he does anyway, and he's got more to spare. That's the kind of love that we're talking about, and that Paul is reminding them, you need to know him this way. This is the love that compelled Jesus to step out of eternity, to come walk on this earth. Come on, can you imagine the misery of leaving glory? of stepping out of a realm where everything was perfect, everything happened at the command of your voice like that, and you stepped into being born as a baby in this place. 
Why did he do that? Because of what's in that verse. That love that compelled him. We don't even comprehend it or understand it. Here's the above and beyond verse. Verse 20 says, Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and to accomplish all this. To accomplish all what? It's what he was just talking about. That you would know and experience this love that God has for you. And in verse 20, he's saying that's what God is working to accomplish in you. Is to give us an understanding of the great love that he has for us. It says to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. That verse isn't just about what do I really want to have in my life? What do I need? What what can I get him to do for me? That verse is actually about, God, I want to know your love. I need to see your love manifested in my family. I need to see your love in my workplace when I deal with those people that get on my nerves all day long. Come on. And he's saying, all you got to do is ask me to see my love in those places. And I'll go above and beyond what you've even asked or imagined. Why does he tell us that he would let us experience his love more than we could ask or imagine? So that we can turn around and be loved to others. I'd I'd love to tell you there's some deeper revelation or some great mystery of the ages or meaning to it, but the reason he poured out his love like that to us and he wants us to know and experience and comprehend it that way is so that we can turn around and be it to others. We love because he first loved us. And for me to be effective at loving people in this world and being a representative of his love, I have to know the love that he has for me first. And he says, all I have to do is ask him. There is no limit to the, the magnitude of how many times I can ask him, Lord, I need to see your love in this situation. I need your love to come and set this right. I need you to come and be seen in my life. I need you to be experienced by the people around me. There's no limit to what we could ask, and he will go above and beyond it. The more we experience his love, the more we experience exactly what we need. Come on, we, we limit that verse to thinking it's about stuff more than we could ask or imagine. But the more we know his love, the more we find, man, everything in life is exactly what I need. He's giving me himself. And I believe asking to experience his love in our lives is critical. We, as believers in Jesus, we have to know his love first because the key to being loved to other people is to know that we're loved by him. Come on, that's, that, this is the crux of what we're talking about, of being Christmas. If we are to be love in the world, we need to know that we are loved by him. And if you aren't sure how much he loves you, just ask him. Just, just Lord, I need to experience your love. Lord, show me, especially right now in this season. Lord, I need to know your love in my life. I got one other passage I want to read. If we're talking about love... I was just kind of drawn this week as Pam and I were talking, how could we not read 1 Corinthians 13 
as we're talking about love in this place today. And uh, as I was reading, I don't do this often. I probably should do it more. But have you ever heard a pastor or preacher say, hey, read this verse and put your name in there? No, like two people have ever seen that at a church. It really struck me when I read this verse this week of putting my name in there of what makes it look tangible to the world. How do I express love to the people around me? And this is what I want to read in 1 Corinthians 13. And uh, (laughs) I definitely laughed at myself, and you can laugh at me too, because the first verse says, love is large. (laughs) And as I was putting my own name in that verse, it struck me I need to make a New Year's resolution, I think. Come on, love is large and incredibly patient. This is, this is what he wants for us to express to the world around us. How does the world know that they are loved, that they are valued, that they are cherished and honored by us being these things to the people around us? Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. That's, I mean... We read verse 1, and it's an ouch moment if I put my name in there. Chris is gentle and consistently kind to all. Ah, which Chris, is, which Chris are you talking about, God? Like that's, that's what I'm thinking when I'm reading this verse, but it should stir us. L- listen to this. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Oh, but God, that guy didn't deserve that Christmas bonus that he got from work. I put in much more time than him this year. Come on, these are real things that Paul's writing to the church to say this is what love looks like and how we be love to the world. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. There, you know, when you're alone with the Holy Spirit reading some of these things, you just want to crawl under a rock sometimes. Like you're reading this verse and you're like, oh God, you are speaking right to me right now, aren't you? I put my name in that verse. Chris is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. And I was like, oh Jesus, I, I need more of your love to manifest in my life. More than I could ask, think, or imagine. I need you to change some things in me. We okay? <laughs> we can read one more verse and not freak out about it. Watch this. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and takes no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, and it never gives up. You can put your own name in there. I put, sometimes I read that verse and put New Life Fellowship in there. New Life Fellowship is a safe place for people to come. And to know that they'll be loved and they'll be embraced. Doesn't mean everything's perfect in people's lives. Doesn't mean they're not sinning, that they're not being ignorant, that they're not doing outrageous things. But this is a place, a safe place, where people will be loved. And they'll experience what Jesus, the way, the same way that he was so moved with love that he stepped out of heaven to embrace them and to go to the cross. That's the way people need to be loved. And we should be practicing the things in this verse on each other. Come on, this, 
If we can't do it well here in church, where, where we know we're all on the same team, we're all here together as a family, if we can't do it well here, we're not going to do it well out there. This is the place to start. Verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 13 says, Until then, there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. Yet love surpasses them all. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. I was going to let Pam just come and share a couple thoughts before we close and wrap up and go have some hot chocolate and time together. Are you guys okay with hearing from Pam? Yeah, yeah. Whatever you want to do. Yay. Okay, so let's look at that real quick. Um, I was reading this this week, and the very last part, which I didn't even realize in the Passion, it actually puts it with 1 Corinthians 13, but it really is, in all the other versions, 1 Corinthians 14, but this is my new life verse, starting with the word so. Let's read it together, okay? So, above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. How's that for a life verse? God was really speaking that to me. I was reading through 1 Corinthians 13, the whole thing. You're so awkward. Have a seat. All right. Okay. Um, I love you, baby, but it's okay. Um, Thank you for just taking the time to let me share this because I really, my heart's like thumping and beating, and I really believe that God wants to continue to use what, what God's doing with all of this with us. Chris and I were really praying over some things in the body, praying over some people in our lives that are really needing to know love, needing to know the blessing of being together in love. And so just just really concentrating on 1 Corinthians 13. And that last verse jumped out at me. And it really is a beautiful prize. Love is a beautiful prize. How many of you know what a life verse is? A life verse is like something you're going to cling to as if your life depends on it. And, you know, life verses can change. They come, they go, they can go into different verses. Mom is so good about giving people life verses. God speaks a verse to her, she gives you a verse. There's something really good about hanging on. As a matter of fact, how many in the room have a verse mom gave you as a life verse? Look at that. How cool is that? So, find mom if you want a life verse. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But I bet she would give you one. But truly, there is nothing like, you know, I can come up to you and encourage you. I can say, you know, you can do it. I believe in you. But there's nothing like knowing when the scripture, when the word of God says, if God is for you, who can be against you? You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. There's something about knowing. And so that's what God did with this verse to me. Because I know love. I'm a lover. I am a lover, but guess what? I'm also a fighter. And so I was thinking that the beauty of what it means to love and what it means to fight. And I was, how many of you in the room have heard that phrase? Are you a lover or a fighter? How many of you have identified I'm a lover? I'm a fighter. Yes. And I feel like that's what Jesus was wanting me to hear because I am made in his image. We can be a lover and a fighter because when I was his foe, he fought for me. His love fought for me. Love will fight for you. Not love fight you. Love will fight for you. And I feel like God wants us to hear that little word for. There is a difference. When you're yelling for somebody versus yelling at somebody. Because God wants us to know he is for us. And when he is for us, who can be against us? 
truly, okay? So I was just wanting to encourage you about being for somebody else because we all know what it's like to be in a situation, you know, maybe, maybe we don't know that we're loved. Maybe we don't know that by the people around us. And as Chris is saying, we need to know it from the king of love himself. God is love. We need to know that for ourselves, right? But maybe the people around you aren't necessarily treating you like you think love looks like. In the middle of that, let God remind you that people need someone to fight for them. I was literally having a conversation with somebody just within the last 48 hours. Tell me about a situation at work. where somebody, they went into somebody's office, someone they work with, and that person started yelling at them. How many of you have ever been through that? Coworker, boss, somebody yelling at you. Didn't expect it, didn't want it. Who wants confrontation? Walk into the room, someone's yelling at them. Not necessarily feeling the love of Jesus in that moment, right? But that's a real life situation. There are things that are going on in people's lives. People have done things at you. People have done things to you. But there really is a difference that God wants us to know he is for us. So this person was telling me that happened in this situation. And when they came out of the room, came out of the office, there were like some texts on their phone and there were some encouraging words from others that could hear what was going on. Like, you know what? You did the right thing. We're for you. Are you okay? What a character trait that you could actually do this, that you could actually stand there and listen and take this and do things that are right. It's a character trait that says, I'm going to love. And how much that encouraged that person to come back to get all those texts on their phone. Think about that. That very dynamic. First, someone was yelling at them. And then got back to their phone, someone was yelling for them. So who are you yelling for? I feel like God's saying that to us. Who are we yelling for? As much as we need to know we are loved, as much as we need to know we are loved, come on, we're the church, we are loved. Let's be reminded of that. Look at your neighbor right now and say, you are loved. Do it again to the next neighbor. Do it to somebody else. You are loved. If there's nothing you leave with today, you are loved. Remember that you are loved. God so loved you. Jesus so loved us. He gave up everything to be here for us to celebrate Christmas and get our own presents. Come on. Come on. We are so loved. There's no doubt in our minds, but we need to stop our minds sometimes. We need to get out of our heads and remember that it's so about him and not about us. Who are you yelling for? Who are you yelling for? Because there are people in our families, right here, sitting in the chairs next to us. There are people in our church. There are people in our neighborhood. There are people in our workplaces. They need you, you, to yell for them. I believe in you. I know you can do this. But bigger than that, let me tell you what Jesus says. Get a verse. Ask God to give you a scripture. Come on. And let's do that together above all else. Let's be about his agenda. Let's be about the agenda of heaven. Not Pam's agenda. Not Chris's agenda. Not your agenda. Whatever your name is in that blank. Come on. If that's really what we care about and we put our name in that blank, then love is going to be the beautiful prize. Because the prize is always people. Jesus for the sake of the joy that was set before him, which is us.
endured to victory in the cross. So that's my reminder. Look at your neighbor. Who are you yelling for? Who are you yelling for? I really believe that is something that's an action item. God wants us to be reminded. And you know, honestly, when you ask God for that question, it might not look like what you think it looks like. It might not even, it might not be the pretty people. Truly, it might not be whatever you may think in your mind is that, that. But let God show you, just take that a little step further. Who are you yelling for? And I'm saying that to me as much as anybody. Come on. We all need to know that somebody's yelling for us. Because that's what love is. When I was your foe, even you fought for me. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to be a lover and I'm going to be a fighter. Because that's who Jesus is. Because that's what reckless love looks like. Amen. Okay, thanks guys. Well, all right then. That was good stuff. Uh, Just as a quick poll, how many of you think that needs to happen more often? (laughs) Here is the action item that we're going to use to build off of that. So we're going to yell for people, not at people. Come on, that really is practical. Yelling for people, not at people. Because I will tell you which one I did most of this week. And I need to get back and remind myself it's about people and being for them. This is the action item. Stay and have hot chocolate with us. There's, there's going to be some in the lobby. And don't just stay for the sake of drinking hot chocolate. But I want you to find somebody in the lobby while they've got their cup in their hand or they're around the table or they're in front of the Christmas tree taking pictures. Let them know they're loved. Whatever that looks like for you to to cheer for them, to yell for them, take a minute to do that before you leave today. This is like practice. I said this this should be the easiest place to do that. But go out there, cup in hand with your hot drink, and let somebody know, man, you are loved. The the king of all the universe loves you. He's, He's present fighting for you on your behalf in your life. Let's go ahead and stand in this place. Uh, I'm going to pray for us and then hang tight for one more second because Steve needs to say something. Father, we thank you for your presence in this place. God, we thank you for your great love for us. Can Keep us aware of that. Lord, that we would so be aware and in tune with the love that you have for us that we couldn't help but give it away to the people around us. Jesus, we thank you for stepping out of heaven into this realm, into this earth, being born in a manger 2,000 years ago so that you could open a way for us to know you. What an awesome thought. Continue to stir us this season and beyond. Let it not be just Christmas time when we're aware of your love, but let every day of our lives be Christmas to the world around us. Lord, be seen in and through our lives. God, use us to spread that message that people are loved by you to the whole world around us. God, bless us indeed. Even as we go from this place today, I thank you that your presence is with us at all times, wherever we go. We just say that we love you and we honor you, Lord, in Jesus' name.